All right, hello and welcome to Encounter Church. We're so glad that you could be here with us today. My name is Daniel. Hopefully I'm not a stranger around here anymore. I serve on the speaking team and it is a privilege and an honor for me to be here to share the word of God with you today. Hey, before we hop right in, I just want to uh, hammer in on Alpha one more time. This is something that we've been looking at here at Encounter for such a long time and finally found some amazing leaders to spearhead this small group, to spearhead this project, uh, and, to, and to really bring people that are uh, far from God to new life in Christ. It's one of the values that we hold here at Encounter Church, and we are so excited to be able to be a part of this. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any friends or family that have any questions about their faith and they want to explore uh, what the resurrection power of Christ can do for their lives, please, please, please talk to them about this opportunity. Um, here, we, we here at Encounter are so excited to be able to host this and to uh, have people grow closer to, through, to Christ uh, through this. So uh, please go ahead and spread the word about that. Uh, we would love to have you. This morning, we're kicking off a brand new series here, or, or mini-series called uh, Hidden Miracles. It's basically um, looking at the very, very beginning of Christ's ministry and looking at the very, very end of Christ's ministry and just seeing like a, like a compare and contrast. As, as most of you know, things people say at the beginning and end are, are kind of important. So we're going to take a look at what Christ had to deal with at the very, very front end of his ministry and the very, very back end of his ministry. It's going to be a very short series. You guys are stuck with me for two weeks. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but I think I think it'll be great. Today we're going to be talking about temptation. We're going to be talking about how Christ was faced with temptation and how he overcame temptation through the power of the Word of God and through the strength of the Word of God. I want, I want to talk a little bit more about what, um, what it means to, for, for words to have power because I feel like we've kind of experienced that as well, right? Uh, what we say um, have a lot of um, power behind it. It has a lot of influence behind it. It has a lot of consequences behind it. Uh, I, I learned this the hard way one day when I was uh, hanging out with my friend, and I don't know what, what we were doing. I think we weren't even talking about anything, and just completely out of the blue, she said, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm getting so fat. Now, if you've ever been in that position that I was in, right, you know that there are about 10,000 things you could say to completely annihilate that relationship, okay? So, for me, my train of thought went some, somewhere, something along the lines of, like, actually, like, I feel like I'm getting a little chubby, too. Like, I, pr I probably should exercise more, cut back on the carbs. Like, I'm getting, like, like a gut. Um, I read the other day that, like, obesity is, like, the second leading cause of, of cancer after smoking. Um, I don't want cancer. That would suck. Uh, I should probably start working out more. And in, in that entire train of thought, the only tidbit that I decided to share with my friend was, hey, did you know that obesity is the second leading cause of cancer in the United States. So that happened. And instead, you know, like these words were coming out of my mouth and I was just kind of like, ah, I wish I hadn't said that. I should just double down and just keep talking about it. And she was just like, had this sad kind of like horrified expression on her face. And she's like, are you calling me fat? Like, am I going to get cancer? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Words have power. They have consequences, whether we like them or not. We see this way back. We see this, we're going to see this in our text today. We're going to see this at the very, very beginning of time where, where God creates the heavens and the earth and he uses it and he does it through the power of words. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was void. The spirit, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And it says in verse 3 that God said, let there be light. 
You see, God is all-powerful. He's almighty. He's is a blank canvas, and he could do anything he wants. And the way he chooses to create his creation is through words, because his words have power. They don't just have ordinary power. They have extraordinary power. So God speaks, and he's creating the heavens. He's creating the earth. He's creating the seas. He's creating the skies. He's creating the stars in the sky. Our God is a star breather. He's creating the plants on the land. He's creating the animals. And finally, God breathes in. God speaks into the human flesh, the human being, and mankind is created. And God says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. It is very good. God's word has power. God's word has strength in our lives today. Now, part of that creation was Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. And God speaks to them. God speaks to them and says, look, everything in this garden is fair game, but you can't have the fruit from the tree of good and evil. Okay? That's off limits. And God speaks and commands them to live a way that is in accordance to his creation and live in a way that is in accordance to how he designed it to be. And in the very next scene, you see that one of God's creation, this little snake, represents temptation, represents doubt, it represents fear, it represents evil, it represents the enemy. It comes, it slithers along. And the first thing that he says is, did God really say that? See, God's word has power. He created the entire universe out from his words. And the de devil comes, the tempter comes, he slithers along. And the first thing that he questions is what? He questions the word of God. The root of temptation the root of evil, the root of us falling and the devil getting into our psyche, it begins by him questioning, by us questioning the word of God. So this devil, he comes, this snake comes and says, did God really say that? Are you really not supposed to eat from that tree? Or do you think that if you did, then you would become God? And as these thoughts started to, started to manifest itself and ground itself in Adam and Eve, they displaced the word of God from the center of their lives evil and darkness came in to the world. Temptation, the fall of mankind happened that day and it impacts us to this day. Now I know what you're thinking. That's a pretty depressing way to start a sermon. So let me try this again, okay? Because that's not the end of the story. There is good news because thousands and thousands of years later, there's a brand new Genesis. There's a new beginning, a new start. And in this new Genesis, it says this. It starts off just the same. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life has, was the light to all of mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And, the, and my favorite part, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a message of grace. It's a message of peace. It's a message of truth. It's a message that it didn't end with the first Adam. It is a message that Christ came to save us from our sins and to resurrect us from the fallenness that the first Adam couldn't. Soon after these words, you see something incredible happen. Jesus, his ministry begins at, at, at the sea, he is being baptized by John the Baptist. And in this moment, at the genesis of his ministry, the skies split open and, and light comes down from the heavens and the spirit of God is speaking. He says, this is my son whom I love, whom I am well pleased with. If, you, if you're at church today, maybe this is what you needed to hear. The God that spoke at the very, very beginning and the God that spoke at Jesus' start of Jesus' ministry is the God that's speaking to us today. 
God speaks and his word has power. And in our text for today, it says that Jesus, still probably dripping from his baptism, it says that this happened in, verse, in, in um, Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Are you guys having some sort of deja vu here? Because I am. In the, in the beginning, God created everything. It was good, it was good, it was very good. And then he commands, he speaks, and he says, do not do this. And immediately next scene, you see that the devil comes and starts to tempt Adam and Eve. Jesus, at his beginning, at the beginning of his ministry, sky opens up, light comes down. This is my son whom I love. I am pleased with him. And immediately the scene cuts to him being tempted. You can start to see that this is a redemption story. This is an act of Jesus coming back and fulfilling what the first Adam could. And he is the second Adam that brings grace and truth that will stand up to the temptations and, and free us from, from our temptations as well. It says here that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The word that stands out to me there is the word tempted. If you have an updated version of the NIV or if, you, if you're looking at the passage from your phone, um, it should be a little footnote. It says in the, in the Greek text, the word for tested and the word for tempted are exactly the same. Um, it is indeed the same. And the only way you could differentiate whether the word means tested or whether the word means tempted, tempted is by the broader context of the word. Because God alone tests while the devil tempts. God leads us into seasons of life where we need to trust in the word of God, where we need to be anchored in the word of God, where the word of God needs to be at the center of our lives so that we can withstand temptation. That is, that is being tested. Right? Temptation is the opposite. This is Satan coming at you. You don't need the word of God. You don't need Christ to be at the center of your life. You don't need the Holy Spirit going through you and in you to do great things for the kingdom. That's being tempted. I feel like we all have like a general idea of how this works, right? If you've, if you've been in school, you know, the teachers give you a test uh, not to harm you, but because you need to know this information is crucial to your success um, as you go forward in life. That's, that's testing. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what God is doing in our lives today. He is testing us so that we draw closer to him. In fact, if you've ever found yourself where you don't need to be in God's word, if you've ever found yourself where you don't need to have Christ at the center of your lives, stop, turn around, and repent because you are being tempted. You need to run to the word of God to find peace, to find hope, to find solitude, to find relief from whatever temptation may be in your life. God alone tests. The devil alone tempts. It says in verse 2, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Matthew wants us to know that Jesus was hungry. Okay, Matthew, thank you for the biggest understatement of, of the year. See, hungry is 11 o'clock a.m. If you forgot to eat breakfast, that's hungry, right? What Jesus was going through was like somewhere where like starvation meets death. Like that's probably where Christ was. Uh, to give you a point of reference, 40 days back from today was a week before Mother's Day. So like if you can imagine, like think about what you did at Mother's Day. I don't even remember. That's how far back it was. Think about a week before that, and then imagine that you stopped eating from then till now, right? That's where Christ was. And it says when Christ was weak, when Christ was vulnerable, when Christ was, when, when the devil, when the enemy felt an opportunity to strike, it says this happened in verse 3, then the tempter came to him. When Christ was not nourished, when he felt like he um, is vulnerable, that's when the devil strikes. That's when the devil strikes in our lives today. When we're weak spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. 
when we let our guards down, when Christ isn't at the center of our lives, when we don't ground our identity in the word of God, the devil finds an opportunity to strike. The devil comes and he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So flashback to Adam and Eve. It says, we said that the first thing that the devil attacked, the first thing that the devil planted a seed of doubt is, is in the word of God, right? And then in John 1, we said that Christ is the word of God. Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Christ was, Christ was the word. And it says here, the devil says, if you are the son of God, aka if you are the word, from the very beginning, the devil started by tempting mankind by questioning the word of God. He does the exact same thing to Jesus. He questions the word of God. And he does the exact same thing today when we are tempted. The first thing that, that is to go is the devil targeting our, our trust and our faith in the word of God. So he, he goes to Jesus. He says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus He's not Adam. He's not the first Adam. He's not Eve. He's not you or me. He stands strong in his faith. How, how does he stand strong in the face of temptation? It says in verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written. Friends, it is written. When he is weak, when he is vulnerable, Jesus is, pri is prime target for the devil's, devil's schemes. Christ doesn't do anything fancy. He doesn't show up and do, do all of the amazing things that he did during his ministry. What does he do? He falls back on the word of God. When, when push comes to a shove and the devil is coming at him and he's being tempted, the first question that Christ asks is what does the word of God have to say about that? It says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I feel like a broken record here. See, the first thing that Christ touches upon is the word of God. The Bible has a tendency to be repetitive when it wants to get a point across. The Bible has a tendency to be repetitive when it wants you to know that the word of God is our key, is the secret for us to overcoming our temptations. It worked for Jesus and through him overcoming his temptation, it has the power for us to overcome our temptations as well. But the devil is persistent. The devil is a punk. He comes back over and over again. It says in verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the te uh, temple. If you are the son of God, again, he's questioning the word of God. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For what? For it is written. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? The devil is now using the word of God against Jesus. The devil is taking the word of God and using it against the one that spoke the word of God. Now, if the devil is going to take the word and manipulate it and tempt Jesus, do you think that he's going to do that to you? And do you think he's going to do that to me? Right? The devil is smart. He's sneaky. He, has, he finds these opportunities and he uses the very power that we ground our lives in against us. And he does it against Jesus. He says this. He says, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. Sounds pretty good, right? But you see that as, 
as the enemy is quoting Psalm 91 here, he leaves out a very, very crucial point. He leaves out an entire sentence that reads, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. To guard you, to protect you from the evil one, from temptation. When Satan uses the word of God against the word of God, he manipulates it. He leaves things out. He lies. And he leaves out the part that says that the word of God will protect you from the evil one. And Christ sees right through this. Christ answers back to him in verse 7. He says, it is also written... Do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, all three instances where Christ responds, it is written, it is written, it is written. He's quoting Deuteronomy. Um, there's evidence to believe that Deuteronomy is, is Jesus' favorite book in the Bible. Uh, he quotes it the most out of any other book. Uh, he, he, the outline of the Sermon of the Mount is based off of, um, of this book as well. Uh, Jesus' greatest command to love, your, uh, love, uh, love God and to love your neighbors, that also comes from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second law. So as uh, Satan is manipulating the text and leaving parts out and lying, Jesus goes straight to the book of law and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does the word of God have to say about that? My word, my, my Bible tells me that you should not put the Lord your God to the test. So we're not going to do that today. Jesus stood strong in his word. When push came to his shove, the word of God flowed out of his mouth as if it was his native tongue. He ingrained the word of God into his heart. It was very woven into the very fabric of who he was. When push came to his shove and Jesus was tempted when he was weak, Jesus was prepared. Are you? It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He's persistent. He's a punk. He always comes back. It says, and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. I don't understand this part of the temptation because it feels like Satan is kind of understanding that, that Christ has a handle on the situation, even in his vulnerability. And it seems like he's throwing Hail Marys now just to see if he could just catch anything, right? He says, I will give you all of the kingdoms of the earth. Why would Jesus need that? He's the Lord of the universe. So like, I will give you this very small fragment of everything that you own if you lay down and, and worship me. And Jesus is all like, are you kidding me? Like, I am the creator of the universe. Like, I spoke you into existence. I spoke the stars into existence. My word has power. My father's word has power. And Satan, you will not get to me. Look what Jesus has to say. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When Christ was weak, when he was vulnerable, and when Satan thought he had an opportunity, Christ didn't rise up to the occasion. He fell back on the very word of God that was his substance, that was ingrained into the very fabric of who he was. I want us to notice that this is the first instance where Christ speaks and gives a command to Satan. It says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. And in my Bible, in verse 11, it says that the devil left him. If you want to have some sort of idea of whether someone's word has power or influence, if someone says something to be done and that thing gets done, that means that person has power, right? Christ, all he has to say is away from me and the devil is gone. Do I get the, I, I, and I get the feeling that the devil didn't have a chance to stay because God's word is powerful. It's just not ordinary powerful. It's extraordinary powerful. 
the God, God's word speaks when it is needed the most, when Christ is tempted at the very beginning of his ministry, when he's figuring out what this is all going to look like, and when he has hit the hardest, God's word stands strong in the face of, our temp- of his temptations, and God's word today stands strong in the face of our temptations. It doesn't take long to look around in our world and ask, what does God's word have to say about that? And usually in this, in this part of, of the message, I uh, would find three things that I could say, this is the things we need to change. This is the thing, things that God is asking us to change. Um, but as I, was, I was, as I was writing this, I started jotting stuff down and, and I felt like I just came across as too hypocritical. I'm gonna get a little real with you guys here, um, have some real talk. I, uh, if you've been coming to Encounter for a while now, you'll know that I sit right here. Uh, front and center of, of the worship experience. I sit front and center not because I have some sort of special privilege or I serve around here. Um, I, I sit right there because there's a very good chance on any given Sunday that I'm in need of God's grace and forgiveness and mercy more than anybody else in this room. I've gone through a fair share of temptations in my life. Some, I, some have turned out good where I've stood strong in the word of God and some not so much. The temptation that has, that that the devil has been using against me for the past seven years is, is the temptation of pornography. This is something that's been a struggle in my life. God is somebody that I should have turned to, but instead I bought into the lies that, that the devil was feeding me and it, it started to spiral out of control. Um, once I started, started getting, getting more and more addicted to this. It was, um, it was something that I, I, was, I, thought, I thought was harmless at first, something that I thought everybody did, but it, it started to manifest into something that was ugly. It started to rear its ugly head, and, and I started to, started to see some detrimental effects in my life. I, I had problem maintaining eye contact with people. I had issues uh, with objectifying women. I had issues with perverse and ugly thoughts that entered into my mind that I didn't want to be there. And it made me have self-disgust. Um, all of these things started to happen, and I saw that my life was spiraling out of control. Furthermore, I was serving at a church uh, last year for 10 weeks, and the pastor there, uh, and the reason why I was there was because the pastor there had struggled, had a, had a serious, serious addiction to pornography as well. He, he, his, his issue was so severe that he ended up having an affair outside of his marriage and he had to leave his ministry and he had to leave his church. He stood before his congregation and he said, this ruined my life, and then he left. And I couldn't help but see that this is something that was gonna happen further down on my uh, journey as somebody who wants to be a leader in ministry. So uh, that started to concern me. That started to make me seek help outside of uh, just me trying to do this on myself because I felt stuck. I felt like for every inch that I gained, it was a mile back and I couldn't really get out of this on my own. The tipping point, the turning point, what did it for me was one day I was having, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and he shared his testimony. Now this friend of mine, we go to seminary together, is somebody that you would look up to. Is somebody, he's a model Christian, somebody that you would want to model your life after. Uh, somebody that you would never imagine would have serious addictions or serious problems in his life. But that day he shared that for the past 10 years, he too had a problem with pornography. 
that he too was feeling like he was stuck, that he was scared, that he couldn't get out of this, that he was objectifying women, that he uh, couldn't maintain eye contact with people, that he was disgusted in the thoughts that he was having and that he couldn't get out of this on his, on his own. And he said what did it for him and what, what will, might, might potentially do it for you is that he asked God to take this away from him. He asked God to remove this temptation that was in his life and God had answered his prayer and that God had made a miracle story out of him. I knew this. I felt like this is so obvious. This is so integral to what we believe that when temptation comes our way, that we don't need to fight it on our own. We have a God that goes before us. But I felt like I needed to fix myself before I could go before God. I wanted to be blameless before him. So I took it upon myself and tried everything that I could and nothing worked. It was a hard and difficult journey. journey. And only when I humbled myself before Christ, only when I asked the spirit to take away this demon inside of me, was God able to free me from, from what I was struggling with. And then I saw why, why this was not supposed to be a part of our lives. I saw why it was uh, detrimental to be, to, have, to be addicted to this. Because once I stopped, I started to maintain eye contact with people more. I started to have more healthier dialogues. I felt more confident in myself. These are just small things. I started to see an improvement in my spiritual life. I was, Christ was slowly coming back to the center of my life again. These are all things that can happen when we free ourselves from whatever idolatry, whatever temptation, whatever addiction that has the center of our lives, that has a grasp in our lives. Friends, the reason why I'm sharing this with you and the reason why I'm making everybody uncomfortable right now is because I know there's at least one person out there that can resonate with what I'm saying. There's one person out there that's been in my shoes or that is going to be in my shoes or has been in my shoes where you're saying, I feel like I'm stuck. I'm scared. This has control over my life. I'm not in control anymore. I have, I have perverse thoughts coming into my head. I objectify the opposite sex. I have these issues and I feel like nothing can get me out of this. And the devil is going to lie to you. You are the only one with this problem. God can't save you from this. You got to save yourself from this. You are alone in this. And let me tell you that that is a lie. And Christ and God is waiting to make a miracle story out of your life. When, when Satan lies to us, when the devil lies to us, we turn to the rock that is the word of God. And my Bible tells me that Christ said to his disciples, to you and to me, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whatever lies that are being fed to you, the Bible tells us that Christ's power, the word of God is strong. It will overcome whatever the demon has to tell you. There is hope for us today. We can do this. I'm living proof of it. There is a miracle story waiting to be written in your life. And today, Christ wants to start with you. The other parts of the Bible in Galatians, it says, carry each other's burden, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Proverbs, said, Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Proverbs also says, where there are two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Are you guys sensing a theme here? We can't do this on our own. God used a broken friend, a broken person like my friend to fix a broken person like me. God looked at a broken person like me and said, I'm not done with you. I still love you. You're going to go and help other broken people. 
And this is the communal aspect of it. This is what we need at Encounter Church is that God at the center of it all is using broken people to fix broken people. Friends, here at Encounter Church, we believe one of our core values is that we practice truth. If you go to our website, underneath that, it says literally that we keep God's word at the center and we're gonna do that together as a community. It says one of our core values is also that we do life together. And oftentimes that looks like game night. Oftentimes that looks like movie night. Oftentimes it looks like a lot of fun and we desperately need that. We need to enjoy God's creation as a community. But when we say we do life together, it's just not simply the good that we do together. We believe here at Encounter Church that we help each other when we're struggling as well. That the people that have gone before us and that have struggled reaches out a hand to the ones that are coming and that are still struggling to this day. That together we can do something much greater than what we can do individually. That Christ is using community. That Christ is using broken people like you and me to fix broken people. Friends, this is why I believe that here at Encounter Church, we need a small group that keeps each other accountable. We need a small group where we can share our temptations. We need a small group where we could bring these troubles to each other and pray and ask that the word of God be at the center of it and that the spirit will lift us off from whatever, lift off whatever temptation may be in our lives. If you want that, if you want the resurrecting power of Christ to start a miracle story in your life as he did in mine, grab a connection card. Write down the words, I need help. Don't worry about an email. Don't worry about a phone number if you don't want. If you want this to be anonymous and just drop it in one of the locked boxes that are in the back of the auditorium or in the upper lobby and the staff here will pray for you. The staff here will, will think about you. I will think about you. I will pray about you. I'll be like, this person is going through what I went through and it's hard and it's difficult, but dear God, please give him the peace and the serenity and take away his temptation as you did with mine. If you want somebody, if you want this community to pray for you, just simply write, I want help. If you want to get involved in this small group, it doesn't even exist yet. If you want to get involved in this, I'm going to start it. Put down a contact information, put down a phone number, put down an email. It will be completely anonymous. It will be in a lockbox, only I will see it. I will reach out to you personally. If you're uncomfortable doing that, just shoot me an email, daniel at encounterchurch.org. And then we'll, we'll start talking about what this could look like. God is looking to write a miracle story in your life. He wants to start with you today. If you've been down this road, I've been there, I've done that, I know what it's like. I want to be an accountability partner. I want to be somebody that guides people through the season of their lives. I want to help people experience God's grace more powerfully than ever before. Just simply write down, I want to help. After the first service, I had four people come up to me and said they filled one of these out. There's a community building here. And through this community, I believe God is going to do amazing things. God is going to free us from the temptations that we face every single day. The temptations that have a grasp on our lives. God is looking to write a miracle story. And today he wants to start with you. Friends, as a community, I believe that we can do this. I believe that God can do this. That when we keep God's word at the center, that when we practice truth daily, that when we do life together, there is nothing, there's absolutely nothing, no temptation, no lies that God's word cannot overcome. Today, he wants to start with you. Fill out a connection card. Let's do this together, church. Will you stand up and pray with me? 
But dear God, we come before you. We come before you broken. We come before you vulnerable. We come before you in need. And that's exactly why your gospel message, your grace is so powerful. It's because we don't need to do anything. We don't need to earn your grace. That grace has been given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ who went before us, who was vulnerable, who was at a place where he should have fell to temptation, but he stood strong on your word. He stood strong against temptation. And in that hope, we have hope that we can stand strong to our temptations today. God, fill this place with your spirit. Fill our hearts to stand up, to be brave, to whatever buttons, whatever lies, whatever, whatever evilness that the, that the enemy is trying to replace you with. Lord, give us peace and serenity that your word will stand strong through it all that we may be free from our temptation, that we may be able to bask in your glory and live with you forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.